Welcome to Last Weekly, where we talk, laugh, and sometimes bitch about the highs and lows of the past week. Except this week, because we're giving you our very first Focus Special episode. Instead of talking about a lot of different topics in an episode like we usually do, this week we're putting the focus on just one. I'm Kevin Williams, and my incredible co-host Anthony Toncho Nunez will tell you what this week's episode is focusing on. Thanks for the amazing intro, as always. This episode, Kevin, will not include any twaddle. It's going to go straight to serious <laughs> business, okay? We're getting serious on this one. Twaddle-free. Twaddle-free. You got it. So we're going to take a quick little detour, but I promise you guys we're, we're going to get to the main road. So sit back, relax, pop some popcorn. Here we go. Let's open up by saying that the U.S. Department of Labor puts the current unemployment rate at 5.8%. There's no other way to state this but to acknowledge the fact that the United States and the rest of the world has experienced a devastating event in the coronavirus pandemic. A little bit of reference. So President Obama, when he took office back in 2009, the unemployment rate was 7.8%. When he left office, it was 4.7%. And please do remember that Obama brought back the economy. He basically inherited a recession. Let's call it a great recession. Now, on average, unemployment under President Trump was 3.9%. Many will argue that Donald Trump was the job creator. He had record low African-American unemployment, a whole bunch of other stuff. But I would actually argue that this is all a result of him inheriting a very healthy economy from Obama. And it was basically a pattern and momentum in the right direction. But that's not the focus here. Now, during COVID, we had north of 14% unemployment. You heard that right, folks. 14% unemployment. We had unemployment that was so high that we'd have to go back to the 40s to find similar numbers. So right now, the unemployment number is at 5.8%. It's a good sign. It's not pre-pandemic numbers by no means, but we're headed in the right direction. Um, we would want under 4% for that. So so COVID aside from being devastating to our lives, to the healthcare system, to the economy, It also allowed a lot of people, a lot of time at home, Kevin, to just sit and think and reflect something they never had in their lives before. We're talking about a once in a lifetime event that occurred. So so people started looking inside. They, they started to wonder how could they be productive in their own lives? How could they follow their fa- their passions, be creative? And, and what resulted in all this was, was people finding that, that their talents and their passions, the things they were interested in, could actually also produce and supplement and in some cases even replace their income. So you had a website, for example, like Etsy, where people sell things they make at home. Everything from crafts to jewelry to toys to fashion, anything you can think of, folks. The the, the stock price of Etsy was $50 around January 2020, right before COVID hit. And it actually hit a high of $230 a share. You heard that, folks, from $50 to $230 a share in February of this year. So people clearly found ways to make money and empower themselves at home, something they never thought about or had the opportunity at home before. We also saw the e-commerce giant Amazon growing great value. Jeff Bezos became the richest man on the planet during the pandemic. So a lot of opportunities was brought by the pandemic for people and companies. 
We also had the rise of OnlyFans, right? OnlyFans, actually, the website, which has quote-unquote content creators, has over 450,000 content creators, and they also have 30 million accounts on that website. So people definitely find creative ways to supplement and, like I said, replace their income. So when I hear stories in the news about people don't want to work anymore, or, or they're taking too much money off the stimulus, or they're, getting, they're receiving too much unemployment and they're lazy, we know that this is all bad for reporting. It all started basically with a sign at a Sonic restaurant in New Mexico. The sign went viral, folks. It read, we are short staff. Please be patient with the staff that did show up. No one wants to work anymore. And, and this is not the only one. We've seen stories about different restaurants posting different clever signs to basically say that people don't want to work. You see them on Facebook. You see them on social media. They've been trending on Twitter. And, and to the benefit of a lot of local news stations and quote-unquote news websites, they, they don't find the benefit of basically challenging this false idea. Instead, they basically report it and they echo and it becomes an echo chamber. So, so Kevin, what are your thoughts about all this nonsense about people don't want to work, they're too lazy, and they're getting too much unemployment money? Well, to me, it's really interesting that the idea that unemployment now, the pandemic stimulus, is way too much money. And that's why people don't want to work at places like Sonic and McDonald's. I think the question that we should be asking is, how little is Sonic and McDonald's paying their employees mm -hmm. that if they can make more money working on OnlyFans or making, you know, dolls out of yarn on Etsy. <laughs> yep. Um, so I think that's the real question. And also, there's other places where people, places that are hiring, like Amazon. You mentioned how well Amazon is doing. I personally have contributed to Jeff Bezos' wealth. <laughs> he sent me a thank you note the other day uh, because I am a Prime <laughs> member. Anyway, um, I think that a place like Amazon starts at something like $15 an hour. And so if you can work at Amazon for $15 an hour versus working for $5 an hour at Sonic, I think it's a no-brainer. So there are people out there that are uh, are companies that are having a hard time getting workers, and there are other places that are getting workers. People, whenever there's announcement that there's jobs at some Amazon plant, there are people waiting in line, lined up to get an application to be interviewed. So people do want to work, but they also want to feed their family. What do you think? And, and I'm glad you mentioned Amazon also, Kevin, because uh, for those of you who watch YouTube, there's this commercial, Kevin, I'm not sure if you've seen it, that just replays on loop. It seems like Amazon just bought like hundreds of thousands of hours of commercial time. And it's basically the commercials, these Amazon workers, and they're like saying how good the pay is. They are how so much happy. Pay. Oh, yes. You've seen it. Yes, I have. And, and my wife always turns to me and says, if they're paying so good, why do they have to have a commercial about it? Like, wouldn't word of mouth just carry? <laughs> <laughs> She's right, Kevin. She's right. It's like these people are so giddy to tell you how much they're getting paid. Ooh, the pay is so good. So the pay must not be that good that Amazon rather invest in commercials, letting the public know how good they pay than just. Well, see, just okay, so you know what? I disagree. What the, the, the point of those commercials isn't to get new employees. Mm -hmm. The point of the commercials is to make people like us not feel guilty about ordering from Amazon. Because the, there's oh. remember, there was at one point there was all these articles about how hard people that work for Amazon are being worked and how many steps a day these people are walking trying to fulfill these orders and how backbreaking the work is and remember how there was also oh, the water they were, bottle thing 
that people were terrified to take a bathroom break wearing diapers so they could get these you know boxes boxed in a certain amount of time mm-hmm, they have like mm-hmm. so many seconds per box so that's what this is about those ads are about making us see oh look at how happy everybody that works at amazon is i shouldn't feel any guilt about ordering everything that i possibly can through amazon ah those are those are, those are paying basically those are conscious bucks that are being paid for yeah your- that's making <laughs> us that's to make us feel better that's not to get more people to work at amazon it's to make us not feel uh, as guilty about using amazon services because honestly amazon kept me alive during this pandemic i was getting my groceries through amazon amazon fresh and whole foods delivered and just anything else you can think of oh toilet paper thank you yeah. amazon mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. I was I wasn't able to get it anywhere else. Amazon Fresh basically supported a lot of people, so we're not dumping on corporations or companies. But we're saying, Kevin, is that the, the the argument that these people are making so much money on employment instead of asking the question, "Are you really that unemployment's really more money than you got paid for working?" Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So if if that's let's say that that is true, the people that are making this argument that the people are making more money with unemployment than they were making working, then the real thing, the real issue is. Is people aren't being paid enough money then mm-hmm. if there's no way that that three hundred dollars a week should be enough to stop people from working unless they were making like literally uh like a dollar an hour or something so that's on these companies that need to be paying their workers more money i mean we've already we've read uh, articles over the years about companies like walmart where their employees working full-time jobs to supplement their income to feed their families had to be getting food stamps trying to get health indigent health care for people that don't have money Mm -hmm. while working a full-time job and so the corporation is getting richer and richer they're the people that work for them they were actually one of the things they were caught doing which was mind-blowing is giving their workers they were giving them welfare applications i remember a full-time job Mm -hmm at Walmart and you need to file for welfare to be able to pay your light bill, pay your rent, feed your family and get them some semblance of health care. That is not right in this country, not when this corporation is making billions upon billions of dollars and there was a major tax cut that Trump and the Republicans pushed through to make the little bit of taxes that corporations were paying make it even, like in some cases, negative. A company like Amazon paid no taxes. Zero. The fact that people like you and me are paying more in taxes than a corporation like Amazon Mm -hmm. or Walmart Mm -hmm is absolutely ludicrous. So so this week, Kevin's touching on that. Um, Pete Buttigieg, who's been going on these different shows and basically touting, touting um, Biden's infrastructure plan, he said one of the big obstacles to getting the plan passed is the fact that Republicans are not on board with increasing the corporate tax rate, which, by the way, was lowered by the Donald Trump's administration, and President Biden wants to increase it again. He doesn't want to increase it to any crazy numbers, but he definitely wants to you know, increase it more than it currently is to pay for part of the infrastructure plan. And, and Pete Buttigieg was speaking to the fact that Republicans are obviously not open to this. They don't want to increase the corporate tax rate. They rather somehow pass it along to the average American taxpayer. So 
It's crazy that uh, a lot of the people on the right in the Republican Party, they don't want more taxes. But Walmart, which is one of the biggest employers in the country, they technically, you're subsidizing their health care. If they're not paying a living wage, let's say, then every American taxpayer that has to pay when someone needs, you know, those services, which obviously they should be able to get if they need them, those health services. So if, if Walmart, for example, is not offering those services as a company, then you as a taxpayer have to foot the bill. And it seems like these big corporations, many of them, which are the, 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 the ones on the on the top side of the, of the chart, like the, they're making the most money, they're not interested in what the t corporate tax rate is because at the end of the day, they don't pay it. Anyone who has enough time and money on their hands, this is the interesting part about this argument about people don't want to work and they're lazy. Um, people who are wealthy and people who have uh, means, they have all this time and resources, Kevin, as you probably know. To hire all the tax professionals, hire all the all, all the tax gurus, so they don't, so they can avoid taxes, not 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 uh, evade taxes, avoid taxes, which is perfectly legal to avoid taxes, not not evade, very different, that's criminal, avoid. But you, the average person, you had a year at home to think and reflect, and those people who came to terms and said, you know what, I'm working at a job that doesn't appreciate me, doesn't value me, not paying me a proper wage, they want to change in their lives, and all of a sudden. All these corporations are making these people, the small guy, the little guy, the villain. Meanwhile, these people who have all this wealth, they don't work nine to five. They don't work under these conditions. They have all the time to avoid taxes. So you see how it's a double-edged sword here. Oh, talk about making villains. One of the unsung heroes, in my opinion, when it comes to the pandemic, is the food service workers, the people working in grocery stores, the mm -hmm. videos we saw of them being spat on when they were asking customers to wear masks, the people who were worked in like the Tyson processing plant, processing poultry, where uh, some of those processing plants had dozens and dozens of people not only catch corona, but die of corona because of the working conditions and how close the quarters were. And so the idea that people don't want to work, people died trying to make sure that we were able to put food on our tables and to be able to put food on their own family's tables. So it's absolutely disgusting to me anyway to imply that Americans do not want to work. They absolutely want to work. Everything, like I mentioned, using Amazon. Not only everybody that's working at Amazon in the facility, packing uh, things like that, the truck drivers bringing the goods to Amazon's d distribution centers, the actual delivery people who are driving from Whole Foods to your house, to your door. Um, there was a video that went viral of a guy delivering packages from Amazon and he like backed into a cactus. I don't know if you saw that video. No. So these people are dealing with a lot of stuff, working very hard to keep us going through one of the darkest times our country has seen at least in a hundred years. So to me, there's no question that Americans want to work. They want to be able to feed their family. They also want to pay their rent. Another thing we have to talk about when it comes to this subject is during the pandemic, most schools were out. And so kids mm -hmm. were at home. So people couldn't go to work and just leave their children where? Because of the pandemic, you had like your own little bubbler sphere. So if there was nobody in your sphere but you and your children, who are you leaving your little kids with? 
Are you going to just leave your kids at home to go work at Sonic mm-hmm. and not make enough money to pay for childcare, even if you could get somebody who was COVID safe to watch your kid when they're not in school? No regard, Kevin. And I'm glad you brought that up because that transitions us perfectly into the next part of this. I'm hoping that people listening could see how all these things connect. And basically, that it's basically all it's all one story, really. Uh, another part of this is all the CEOs and the business leaders that have been saying recently, as of late, that remote work does not work. Completely discounting all the productivity the increases that have been reported in the last year. And the same employees have been saying, wow, our workers are so productive at home. For example, you had JP Morgan's Chase's uh, own CEO, Jamie Dimon. He says something along the lines, he was quoted as saying that those those um, working remotely doesn't work for those who want to hustle. And it's the idea that somehow you can't create culture or that you're missing out on something if you're not commuting three hours to the office and three hours back. These same businesses that, by the way, have no problem not offering anyone childcare, like you said, have no problem not offering you maternity leave, sick leave, don't care about the hours you spend commuting. Anyone who lives in a metropolis spends at least an average one hour commuting back and forth. So it's two hours a day commuting. You're losing your life basically that way. They don't care about your work-life balance. They don't care about your family balance. They don't care about your kid's little league. No, they want you a prisoner in that cubicle. They want you basically to be to be their work servant. That's that's what, that's how I see it. So I find it really interesting that restaurant owners are complaining nobody wants to work because they're not offering a living wage. And at the same time, you have office workers who've proven that they can not only perform but excel at their jobs remotely from home, and at the same time provide childcare for their children and juggle all the other things that they have to juggle during this pandemic. I applaud everybody who who just made it here. Like you, you deserve you deserve an applause. Anybody who's here, you made it. Absolutely. So, the the getting past this this year of uh, the year plus that we've all been through, mm-hmm. the trauma of it, the financial burden that it put on most of us that were affected by it financially. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that we managed to get through it as sanely as as we have. As you see more and more shootings happening, I wonder how many of us didn't come out of it mentally uh, more, a lot more messed up. But one thing I wanted to say about the unemployment aspect of this, the same companies and restaurants that are railing about this idea, this fiction that people don't want to work because of unemployment and COVID relief. The reason why they're even able to be open is because of that stimulus and relief. That unemployment is the reason why people have money to order food or go to the grocery store or buy some uh, ugly ass yarn doll on Etsy uh, and 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 to pay for pornography on OnlyFans because that's because of the stimulus. That's the only reason why. So if you got rid of that, who's going to be your customers? Who's going to be buying overpriced shakes at Sonic if they don't have the stimulus money that kept the economy going? It's great that you mentioned that, Kevin, because a lot of most of the stimulus money went to businesses and corporations, but we don't see no reporting saying businesses and corporations received too much money of stimulus and now are running their, their companies. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. They don't really want to keep their company going because they got money from the government. It's that, That's, oh my God, thank you for mentioning that point. The exact same thing. All these, these huge corporations who mm-hmm. made billions to, and trillions of dollars all had their hands out from the government the moment things started shutting down saying, mm-hmm. we need money. And the government opened up the coffers and gave them money before we got money. Companies got money. And nobody said that, oh, this is going to be a disincentive to these corporations to keep uh, making money. 
Yeah, no one says that ever. It's really weird how the corporations are providing a service and, you know, free market and all this other nonsense that they want to sell you. But the employees, the, the, the everyday American, oh, no, no, we can't give him $2 more. Nah, he has to work for that extra $2. It's, it's, it's a double standard. And also speaking of the double standard, Kevin... I've spent so many years listening to baby boomers just dunking on millennials saying, oh, you could afford things like a house if you didn't get so much avocado toast. But those same people... You heard this right? That, that's what's keeping them from getting the down payment for a house is the all that avocado all toast. That avocado toast that they're spending and the nice Nikes they're buying. But when those same people then went over there and they invested in AMC and GameStop and became retail investors and started making money, oh, oh, oh wait a second, what you're doing is wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. Go back to your avocado toast. <laughs> That was amazing to me when the whole GameStop thing happened and all of a sudden this was considered a different kind of insider trading. It's because it was actually regular people who were mm -hmm. making money, not the big movers and shakers that normally manage to make money doing all kinds of nefarious things and all kinds of tips they get from uh, people on the inside of corporations uh, and uh, analysts that guide them in how they invest their money. But a couple of uh, scrappy people were like, wait a minute, we can do something. We can act actually drive up the price of this stock, which is something that happens all the time. It's happening currently when it comes to these big investors in these um, cryptocurrencies mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that they basically drive up the price of it by just by buying it, by a, a huge chunk of it, it drives up the price, they immediately sell it and make money, like like hand over fist. And people are going to be sucked in, and it's, it's absolutely a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme that only the rich are going to come out on top regular people are going to get screwed and the regular people when they get screwed that's just how the system works kevin but when you're rich and you're a hedge fund and you make money that's how the system works kevin but when you regular people want to rise up and put your money together and buy a stock and the hedge fund loses money oh there's something wrong we need to investigate this there was a poll where 1,000 U.S. adults uh, were mm -hmm. polled mm -hmm. in May, and 39% of them said they'd consider quitting if their boss weren't uh, flexible about working from home. And what I was surprised by in this study um, that appeared in Bloomberg was also how much money people have saved, not just in time, but people have spent have saved like over $5,000 in a year in the price of commuting. And I didn't even think about not only just the price of gas, but also the wear and tear on their cars. And also no one talks about our air quality, mm -hmm. the amount of pollution that was not going into our atmosphere during the pandemic. No one talks about how much cleaner our air is and how much we've slowed down climate change during this point. I mean, places that are insanely polluted, like in China, where they have been able to see across the street for years, during the height of the pandemic, they were showing the skies were clear mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the first time in years and years and years. So that's also a factor in the quality of life. And the idea that with all the uh, modes of communication we have today, that people can't be driven while working at home people can't quote unquote hustle and the idea that young people i think that i saw what you were talking about that article where they were claiming that young people can't work remotely is absolutely ridiculous if you set certain timetables and those timetables aren't met if somebody's in the office they have to get a report done they don't get it done or if they're at home they're supposed to have the report done and on your desk on monday and it's not done they should be just as fired i can fire you from home just like i can fire you in the office it's funny though kevin that they were completely fine 
taking all the work and productivity that you provided during the pandemic. But now that the pandemic is supposedly, quote unquote, easing up and things are opening, all of a sudden, no, we can't we can't sustain what you were doing last year. All the, all the, all the gains you provided our company last year, you know, they're not sustainable this year. And it's funny also because companies like Odesk and Fiverr, these companies make a living off of people producing and doing things remotely completely. This is not like a new thing that's happened. People, It, it was sped up. Technology was always available for us to be able to work remotely. So it, so just to, so backtrack a little, the the companies that have offices, they're saying that the workers can't do their job remotely, right? But then you have people who are in person, the 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 service industry is saying, well, we can pay you, but we won't pay you what it actually costs you to come here. So it's like both sides of the coin are, are bad for the people of the employment. There's an unfair power dynamic, and it's being held by businesses. And I'm glad you mentioned how much it costs. It's because just dry cleaning uh clothes work clothes then you oh have to my buy god that children. is another thing i didn't even think mm-hmm, about all mm-hmm. the costs people spend on buying clothes and dry cleaning those clothes and all the time spent doing that as well as the time spent in the car all that stuff adds up and to have that much more time at home and be with your family mm-hmm. um was kind of life-changing i think for a lot of people and people saw there's a different way i don't have to basically be in traffic for three hours a day i can still do my job i can still have dinner with my children and uh no they don't want to go back in fact oh there was another study by flex jobs their survey was released in may which polled more than 2100 people who worked remotely during the pandemic and found that 58 percent would absolutely not maybe absolutely look for a new job if they couldn't continue to remote work in their current role. So that was mind-blowing to me how many people do not want to go back to the old paradigm. The The Business Insider survey um, had it at 40% of workers. And also they had these when you just basically um, went specific and just closed in on millennials and, and Gen Z, the younger two job generations, that cohort said, Kevin, 49 percent would quit their job if they had to go in full time. So they, they, a lot of people are feeling this way. A lot of people are feeling this way. Well, it, it absolutely makes sense. But the, I, I never even thought about the cost when you mentioned the clothes thing. That is another. If you add that up, plus the gas and the wear and tear on your car or paying for passes, you know, metro rail bus whatever the hell you're getting however you're getting to work it all adds up and not to mention all that time hours and hours and when you add up not just by the day but by the week by the month by the year how much time you've spent of your life just getting from your house to an office to do the exact same thing you can do from home is just ludicrous and i'm glad people are standing up and if people continue to stand up It'll force companies to change. And the companies that are, uh, as far as in people not wanting to work and having a hard time getting people, the companies that are smart, that are responding to people and um, want to and to keep their workers happy and to have them have a semblance of a, a home life, they're going to let them have that flexibility and they're going to be able to get the best people. And also, I'm glad you mentioned um, the commuting and the time because here in New York City, Mayor de Blasio, he said that the workforce, um, basically city workforce, Uh, There's 100,000 city employees, civil servants in New York City. 
And the remaining 80,000 that, that were not going into the offices, he basically sent them back in. Um, been a month so far that he sent them back in. And a lot of the employees, when you went on these forums, were saying, well, I don't see the point of going back in with it's only 80,000 people. What big difference is it going to make? But when you start thinking about it, what you just said, Kevin, at the end of the day, the whole system is built on the back of the everyday middle class employee. You pay the... You pay the gas price to drive your car. You pay the, t the toll to cross the bridge. If you're in New York City, you pay for a metro car so you can ride the bus. You, so basically the MTA gets paid. Then you also have to buy lunch when you're there. So you also support all the local restaurants. And then your physical body is justification then for the city to pay for the building which you inhabit, which you don't have to have. You could be at home save, saving the city money on rent and power, but you as, as a person basically, so you have to pay all these tolls you don't think about. So, And the biggest toll that I think, Kevin, that we pay every day is, is the toll of time. If you add up all the hours that you spend on your commute, that's a fraction of your life that's gone. Time that you could have spent with your loved ones, with your children, with your spouse. You can have spent at home watching Netflix. This is your time. We No one gets paid for their commute. And, and for for some reason, it's always been okay for the employee to, to lose this time in the commute and not be in, not be anywhere reimbursed by this. And it's perfectly fine for the employee then to reap all the benefits of you being at work. So this is an unhealthy power dynamic. And I, and one of the only things I think that the pandemic did that was positive was it let people time to really think about where they want to be and how life was for them. And they figured out, hey, things could be different. And this is why I think we started to see these changes. Tone, wasn't there a story that was trending this week about the disparity about how the pandemic has affected Gen Zers versus boomers and even Gen Xers? Well, that's it's interesting, Kevin, because this all wraps up perfectly into this same idea that that the economy, the way it was, didn't work for for the younger generations and for people a lot of people in general a lot of workers and it's no surprise that that the story you're mentioning which is actually a, a story on bloomberg um it, it, the title of the story is millennials are running out of time to build wealth and it really touched on the fact that the oldest millennials which are called um, the elder millennials how i call them are turning 40 this year <laughs> older millennials kevin um I, I actually there's this comedian I forget um Liza Sizer Liza Sizer she calls herself and she has a special called Elder Millennial but, but anyway I just thought of that um so yeah so the Elder Millennials are turning forty can you believe it because it's funny because when you hear about Millennials Kev yeah I always picture them as like yeah. being on skateboards or uh, razor scooters like just like they're little <laughs> kids and it's just like the, yeah so the people that were born in 1980 mm -hmm. are just turned forty. Just turn forty. They're like Tony Hawks, <laughs> like older guys. Was, they're like Tony Hawks, basically. They're older guys. I'm forty one, Kevin, and I, I'm considered a baby um, generation Xer, like the younger the generation. Yeah, you're the youngest. You're yeah. the youngest on that level. A seventy nine baby. I, I was born in December of seventy nine, but yeah, if you're eighty, you're a millennial. So like, I, I was at the cusp of thing. I'm not a millennial, but I'm at the cusp of that. You so, were so close, so close, but nope. I don't like the avocado toast. Um, <laughs> If you had been born just a few months later, you would love avocado toast. But oddly enough, Kevin, uh, aside from the avocado toast, um, being born so close to the millennial time period, I'm affected disproportionately by all of this as well. And the truth is that the that baby boomers, they love, like I said, dunking on millennials all the time. You've heard it for years now. Oh, millennials are lazy. As a Generation Xer, I'm not sure if you remember, Kevin, they always used to say, oh, we weren't going to mount to nothing. Our generation was lazy. All these tropes and stereotypes have been passed on to millennials, and now they would like 
like to say, oh, the reason that they're not building wealth, like I said, is because they have an affinity for avocado on bread. When the truth is that the market and the and the the whole business, um, the way the economy works, has not worked for millennials. Baby boomers inherited an amazing economy where they were benefiting from all the advances that America had made, and 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 in somewhere there, millennials just started getting a disproportionate amount of, of the back end, basically the, the the bad part of the stick, while baby boomers got the better part of the stick because employee pay hasn't gone up but ceo pay has risen and gone through the roof so millennials not only they didn't they go they joined the workforce kevin at a point where if they when they were leaving college there were no jobs remember that we used to keep hearing about how millennials um, couldn't find jobs and they had college degrees and they were working at mcdonald's or, or some crazy stories like that so not only could they not find employment and find profitable employment in what they studied, this is a generation, Kevin, that's been saddled with so much debt. I'm talking about so much and so much debt from their education, not 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 home debt, because none of them can afford to buy homes. They're all living in their basements with their parents. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. To be fair, we can't say all of them, but a percentage, definitely, <laughs> definitely, a larger percentage of them are unable to buy homes more so than their gen. X counterparts or their boomer counterparts when they were 40. So the amount of wealth that Gen Xers had accumulated when they were 40 and baby boomers had accumulated when they were 40, millennials, the oldest of that generation that are just turning 40, they have not accumulated the same amount of wealth. Now, to be fair, Gen Xers didn't accumulate the amount of wealth that their parents, the prior generation before them, boomers did, but they were closer to boomers than millennials are to Gen Xers. So the gap, uh, mm-hmm. the wealth gap mm-hmm. wasn't as big as it is now. And all part of it is the education. They spent so much more on education and their educational debt is something like, I don't know, like I think it was like I read somewhere like 30 something, almost 40 percent more what they paid for their education, room and board, all the debt mm-hmm. that they're accumulating is so much more. And I think that was one of the reasons looking back remember how bernie sanders just oh, yeah. took off like wildfire with gen Cancel z yeah, because that's exactly what he was going to do. And that would have been an absolute game changer if there would have been a cancellation of all student debt. The freedom that would have given so many younger people would have been amazing. And um, what would it have done? With, what, what would they have done with all that money? Probably buy houses. Um, the Bloomberg story has has some numbers. And I think that they go right along with what you're saying. That I'm just reading them. They're so dramatic. So a year of college for, for millennials on average is 24600 for one year. Meanwhile, for baby boomers on average, a year of college was 10000 thousand three hundred so a, a great divide there also 66 percent of baby boomers by the time they hit 40 um, owned a home while only 61 percent of millennials and this is also in- interesting 17 percent of baby boomers own stocks while 14 percent of millennials own stocks so they definitely when it when you put them side by side baby boomers as a generation just had so much more advantage and a much better economy and a better job market in in, in total and they pay so much less for college because when you have such great debt it's it's really hard to move forward. Oh, well, it was such a different world back then. I mean, people were able to get out of high school, get a job at some kind of factory or some kind of plant, some steel mill, and they were able to make enough money to not only buy a house, support a family, 
remember back then women weren't even working the majority of women weren't working there was a, there were one income homes and they were able to go on a vacation once a year buy a new car every mm-hmm. few years mm-hmm. um so completely different world go out to a restaurant a couple times a month take your best girl out get some food get some drinks so it's a completely different world about what you were able to accomplish and uh have just getting out of high school you know without college let alone if you went to college you were absolutely set and so not just set in in an economic sense you were also set in a family sense i was reading that the united states um has a the replacement rate is 2.1 2.1 so basically if you want to have an economy that's flourishing you bet you need people to to man and work those jobs so you need a 2.1 replacement rate so basically every couple needs to have 2.1 children so one oh if it's two people obviously in a couple you need two children and i guess 0.1 so half a kid (laughs) (laughs) to maintain a replacement rate right so uh, if you just have two you're just replacing yourself you're not adding to the economy because this story came out that china had a negative replacement rate so they were saying that there's going to be a big problem and then china went ahead and basically said oh you can have three children now um, so yeah, remember they always they had restrictions on people were only able to have one child one child correct, per family yeah. or whatever, and which was one of the reasons why they had this huge imbalance because everybody wanted to have a boy, and sadly people were having abortions when they found they were pregnant with a girl, and boys were so prized, and so if you can only have one kid, you're going to have a boy, but then no one thought like, wait a minute, if everybody has boys, um, how are we going to have more people? Um, yeah. <laughs> so bringing that same thing back to America. 2.1 replacement rate so baby boomers at by 20 they were married with a house and kids meanwhile millennials most of them are reaching their 40s and if they have one child they're lucky most of them don't have children at this point because they can't afford to have kids they're still straddled with debt they're still trying to find their footing in the economy so what that means is less children they thought there was going to be a baby boom during covid i was just reading this interesting fact that um there was actually no baby boom there's no covid baby boom there's no like people thought it was going to be like the war that we were going to be you know filled with children up to here but but no people actually did the opposite so not only are millennials not not faring well when it comes to the economy, they're, they're building families much later and much smaller families. And this is basically going to play out. So a lot of baby boomers say, oh, you know what? You, you're having too many children or you need to focus on what you're doing. And they want to close. So people on the right want to close the border. And it's interesting to me because I was reading that because of the, the people who migrate to America, even when America doesn't really hit the replacement rate, they're right under a 1.9 something. The immigration... To this country that maintains the replacement rate uh, at a healthy rate so a lot of people don't think about this more people come to our country they pay into the system they pay into the services you can retire and have social security because somebody who migrated here um and is been, and is serving is serving the american public by getting a job by learning something by becoming a doctor they're paying taxes so all you retired folks and people about to be retired you want people coming to this country you want them to live the american dream and pay into the system because unfortunately millennials are not having enough children so if you want a social security in the future then you want them millennials to be better off you want them to have kids you want them to uh, hopefully not be straddled with debt and cancel student debt and you want immigration to come into this country it, it all ties into the the economy plays such a big part in all our lives and sometimes it's really hard to connect and i'm glad that we were able to 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 basically navigate these stories because they're all basically one story 
Oh, it's all one story. We're talking about the post-pandemic economy and how the economy before the pandemic led us to where we are right now. And one other thing is the connection with racism, because Mm -hmm. what you're saying makes absolute sense. We need more people to add to the economy. We're not having enough babies to do that. Now, I guess Republicans think by doing things like outlawing abortion with these heartbeat laws. There was just a video that went viral recently of a girl in Texas at her high school graduation talking about her choice going away. The fetal heartbeat laws say that a woman can't have an abortion after there is a fetal heartbeat present. That normally happens at six weeks of pregnancy. Most times, women aren't even aware they're pregnant at six weeks of pregnancy. So the moment they find out they're pregnant, it's already too late for them to have an abortion and you can't tell me well you can tell me but i won't believe you (laughs) that race isn't a part of this this is an effort to have more white children that's what this is about they don't want brown people coming here from mexico or any other they don't want more asian people coming here Mm -hmm. they were they weren't happy with the black people that they drug here and so i think these are all connected Our economy is being hurt by racism, as well as this effort to try and have more white children by uh, taking women's right to choose away. And it's interesting that the people are so concerned, oh, my right's not to take the vaccine, my right's not to wear a mask, but it's com- you're completely, so a lot of people feel completely fine with, you know, avoiding the rights of other human beings. But when, you know, simple things like putting a piece of cloth on, oh, that's against my rights. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> All right. Well, I can't believe we've come to the end of our very first focus edition of Last Weekly. Tone, this was an amazing episode, an amazing idea. This was all you and i'm glad we did it and we're gonna have to try this again the closest thing we did to this before was when we uh, did our special Mm -hmm. on clubhouse so (laughs) oh yeah that was a oh you you definitely if you haven't listened go look at we have we have an inventory of episodes go check that out because kevin gave you the (laughs) a to z about clubhouse if you're if you're if you ever thought about it or we're curious yeah now that it's available on android so if you didn't think you if you didn't care about it before because you didn't have uh you weren't you didn't have access to it because you had an ios phone now that's an android everybody's everybody can get in on this party check out that episode all right so we can't focus on every story but we do want to talk about what you'd like us to so if you see something going on in the world of news pop culture or entertainment that you want to hear our take on let us know Mm -hmm. you can message us on twitter or instagram we're at last weekly on both and to share what you thought about this or any other episode or join in in our favorite and least favorite things about the week you Mm -hmm. can absolutely do that just go to lastweekly.com and leave us a voice message all right tone how can people listen to our show other than how they're listening right now well they can definitely listen to us on apple Podcasts. they can listen to us on stitcher spotify they can listen and watch on youtube and definitely check us out on wjmsradio.com every sunday at 4 30 p.m eastern and 1 30 p.m pacific and every friday kevin they can listen to us at 11 a.m eastern 11 a.m pacific and to make things easy because that's what that's what we do around here go to lastweekly.com <laughs> for all our links to where you can listen to us and make sure to go to clubhouse and find kevin and listen to him because he's on there you can listen to him on clubhouse <laughs> so find him on there Kevin. Yeah, I am on Clubhouse a lot. 
All right, yeah, if you're not getting enough Kevin on Last Weekly and mm-hmm. TV channeling, you can go listen to me on Clubhouse. All right, I want to thank you so much for listening and supporting our show and getting to the end. It means a lot to us and all the follows on social media and all of the positive reviews that you leave for us mean the world to us. We really appreciate it. And don't forget to listen to the next episode of Last Weekly because the week doesn't end, say it with me, Tone, until Until we say say so. so. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. And we're out.